Welcome to the Pinwheels and Ivy Podcast. I'm Aldo, alongside with Kevin Fiddler, a.k.a. Reverend Kev. Kevin? Reverend Kevin? Kevin, chime in. Rev Kev. Rev Kev. Rev Kev. <laughs> I don't know why I made it so complicated. Should we just go to the Rev Kev all along? All right, anyways. Cubs Cardinals, five-game series, three days, absolute mayhem. Let's get to it. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee. So the whole league that we here now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for. Yeah. Can put it on the board, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the board, yeah. Put it on the board. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the board. As always, the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast is brought to you by Sports Mockery. Visit sportsmockery.com and download the app, Sports Mockery, for all the latest Chicago and Las Vegas news. Um, All right, Kevin. Cubs Cardinals, five-game series, doubleheader Monday, doubleheader Wednesday. Cubs coming off three straight one-run losses. Against the Brewers. How are you feeling? <laughs> this is the Insanity Series, dude. This is a college series. Played two, played five games in three days after a four-game stretch where the Cubs haven't had any time off. I mean, why the hell not? It's a crazy enough season. It sucks that it's the Cardinals that put them in this position because they were being irresponsible with protocol. But it is what it is. There's no time to bitch, I guess. I mean, five games in five days, by the time you're done finishing your bitch, uh, the series will be over. So, you know, for the Cubs, they've, they're rolling out. You know, Dave, Dave Ross has to be a wizard in his first year as a head coach. He's going to have to maneuver, arguably, that it's the first time, I think, since 1908 that a, you know, a home team is going to actually bat first in their ballpark um, you know, for game two of the series. Um, it's going to be a grind. Call it seven innings or not, it's a, this is going to be – I'm, I'm excited just to see what the hell's going to happen, I guess. But, God, I wish it was somebody other than the Cardinals because it's, this, is a, you know, this could be that moment where the Cubs really fall apart, or this could be that moment where they really kick it back into drive and kind of break the rust off because nothing, nothing helps like beating the Cardinals. But it, nothing it, hurts like losing to them. It is kind of similar. I saw this video going around. It's like a little hype up for the series, and uh, the first clip is uh, from the 2003 series. Like I think it was a four-game series in September. Or it might have August. been. Or it might have been. Was it like a five-game series in four days? I forget what it was. Was it August or September of 2003? I feel like it – well, I know that the Tony LaRusso wrote the book about the three nights in August. So maybe it was – it might it must have been either before or after that because that was when the Cubs basically took the division. Yeah. So that was in 03, and that's like, you know, when Dusty and LaRusso were going at it, there was some, you know, pit by pitches. So they got, they got the juices flowing a little seeing that. Emotional, but, raw emotional. That was Daryl Kyle's year where he passed away too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of raw emotion. Um, so last week when we saw the schedules come out, you know, the Cubs are going to have like four double headers in three weeks or something. Just Absolutely, and yes, they're only seven innings, but that still puts your, your that puts you like your entire pitching staff just can be in shambles from one bad game. But with that being said, the Cardinals are depleted. They're bringing up guys, just making up their debuts, and we saw how that can go in a very bad way on Sunday when uh, their one guy gave up four straight bombs to the White Sox. 
the Cubs should have the advantage in this series very easily. Game one on Monday is Kyle Hendricks. I mean, that's a guy you can just count on, like, go out there, give seven innings, win this game. Uh, mm-hmm. You feel pretty good about that. And then you got you Darvish going on Tuesday, and then you have Mills starting one of the games on Wednesday. The other big news on Monday was the Cubs called up Tyson Miller. Uh, I think he was a fourth-round draft pick in 2016, had a great uh, 2018, uh, was great again to start 2019 at double A. He had, like, a sub-three ERA and, uh, like, 15 starts. It was, like, half the year where he was uh, just shutting everybody down at double-A. And as we talked about, and it was referenced uh, on Twitter earlier before, you know, that's where you see uh, your best raw talent at uh, double-A. But then he did struggle, went to triple-A and got kind of lit up. He had like an ERA above seven. But, I mean, as you remember, triple-A last year was just a fucking joke with that, with the balls that they were using. the ball, yeah. Um, So we don't really know. I mean, yeah, obviously not great numbers, but, I mean, this guy has a track record of, you know, getting the job done. It was just a blip, blip on that radar, not getting, not really used to that ball, you know, a new grip, whatever that is. So, I mean, still got to feel kind of confident. It is kind of, I saw another stat. Uh, the Cubs haven't had a guy make their MLB debut and get a win for the Cubs since 2006. <laughs> so that's, Let's see, who would that have been? Do you I remember? I remember this name specifically only because he was called up like that night. Um, and it, I think it I was know like, Jim Bullinger, Jim Bullinger did that back way back. That was in the nineties. Jim Bullinger's major league debut was fantastic. I think. Was, let me see. If I remember correctly, was it? It, was, it was, uh, it was John O'Malley, <laughs> John O'Malley. And it was because like the day before there was like a 16 inning extra, uh, extra inning game or something. And the Cubs just had no one. So they just had to call him up and he comes up pitches against Houston in Houston. I think goes eight innings. I mean, he wasn't that sharp. Eight innings, like five walks. Two strikeouts, got the win, one nothing. Uh, and then the other one was, uh, well, what was his name? Something Mateo, also in that 2006 season, which was like a complete train wreck for the Cubs. But that mm-hmm. kind of stood out to me. That was the longest time for a Cubs uh, pitcher making his debut for the team and getting a win. Hopefully, the why not moment, right? Yeah, why not? Why not? And What's again, that? the Cardinals. <laughs> Cardinals, are, they're depleted right now. They brought up, I know they brought up their, uh, one of their top rookies, or the top rookie, Dylan Carlson. But, I mean, this this is where you have to, you know, you lose three straight games. And, again, we, we talked about it with Zoe when uh, the Brewers were playing White Sox. The Brewers are just annoyingly – their pitching staff is annoyingly good. They're, they don't have, like, any, like, big names except for, you know, Josh Hader. You know, uh, Woodrum, obviously, is getting more no- notoriety past couple of years. But it's you don't, like, look at their uh, pitching staff and be like, oh, shit, got to worry about the Brewers. You just go out there and – you know, they're throwing 98, 99 nasty curveballs. They have a couple of relievers. I mean, the Brewers, uh, the Brewers uh, bullpen since, like, 2018 has just been unreal and dominated right. the Cubs. But, I mean, the Cardinals, we're talking about a team who's off, like, what, three weeks? And I know they swept that first doubleheader against mm-hmm. the Sox, but with Kyle, uh, Kyle Hendricks, has, I, that's the big thing, you know, set the tone, like, Shut these guys down. Get get that win. Break. Be the stopper. You know we mm-hmm. talked about it before the season be started. Uh, Hendricks and Darvish. They have to carry the rotation. Be the aces. You know, sh- shut these guys down. Set the tone. Yep. And when you look at the when you look at the the Cardinals lineup as a whole, I know that there's a small sample size. They've only played eight games, but as a team, they're hitting only two thirty one. I mean, it's it's not an offense. I mean, you obviously got Goldschmidt is is obviously a freak show. Um, the O'Ma- the O'Neill kids hit three homers or whatever, but he's only hitting two forty. He's you know, he's there's a lot there's a lot to beat. The Jong Molina, they're still not playing. So, you know, 
why shouldn't the pitching staff carry them through this kind of thing? And you know, it'd be huge for for Kyle Hendricks to go a CG today. That'd be the first step in this series. If Kyle can go a CG in this game, not only does it set the tone, but obviously it allows the bullpen to kind of just take a day or not take at least the first part of the day off and make it like a just a normal work day. Um, it, it really would be perfect if he didn't even have to get anybody up in the pen at all. If they didn't even have to even throw, you know, even touch a, a pebble until it's time. But we'll see. I mean, that's that's this is what Kyle Hendricks is here for, and it's at Wrigley. Um, and again, he's he can he can do what he can do, and he did last time. You know, it's he had the, the hiccup in St. Louis, but this is what he's. This, I think this is kind of what he was bred for. Is it's not emotional. He's just going to go out there and just do his job. And and in these kind of weird circumstances, some guys might get screwed up because of the routine, the change of their routine. I think Kyle Hendricks is such that kind of guy that it doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter. He's just going to go out there and just pitch because that guy could pitch again probably on Wednesday if he really wanted to, because of the you know he doesn't do much damage. He's not a high torque guy. He's he's a guy that just is going to go out there and consistently. So I, the, the defense is decent. I mean, whether you want to talk about that lineup, you you finally lobbied for it and you got what you wanted. You got Albert Almora to get another start. Oh wait, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But that lineup is very, very uh, interesting. It, that it's, game, it's I, weird. I am glad I saw that game one lineup before I decided to put some coin on Kyle Hendricks. I have all the confidence in Kyle Hendricks. Right now, let's talk about it. The offense. That series against Milwaukee was just so disheartening, so annoying. Uh, I'm glad I missed the Saturday's game, or most of Saturday's game, because that would have been three straight losses of sitting through just, like, pain. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it started with Friday with Javi Baez, just awful, not being able to make contact with the bases loaded to get the Cubs more runs or just one more run. <laughs> uh, again, uh, Saturday, you know, we get the Sousa home run. It's high late. But other than that, offense just not doing much. Kipnis bails out Bodie on Sunday. But again, entire game, you get the quick 3 nothing lead. You get shut down for like four innings. And then you score something late, but not enough. Uh, so and, it, and, and the way that they scored Saturday or Sunday was awful painful too because that was a ball that Ian Happ should have caught, and then when he did recover and get the ball in, the relay throw was oh. so piss poor. They had the guy <laughs> dead to rights, and the and the relay throw was all. And there's your there's your game winning run. That's like a little thing running a proper relay, which is one of the most basic things, turned out to be the really the nail biter or the nail in the coffin for the Cubs, which is weird, but. And then, so, on for game one on Monday, and I think on game two the Cardinals are going to go with just the bullpen game. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, for game one, it's going to be uh, one of the Kim. pitchers that the Cubs were actually kind of linked to in the offseason, but apparently, again, too too much money. Um, Quang Hyun Kim, he's making his first start of the year. Again, the Cardinals haven't played like eight games. Um, you know, lefty from Korea, not going to blow you away, but, you know, they're crafty. Whatever you want to they crafty, know how to pitch, know how to get outs, change speeds. The Cubs had... For the past like year and a half, or you know, year and this season, for whatever reason, cannot hit left-handed pitching. I don't know why. Uh, and, it, and it starts with, again, Baez, Chris Bryant, Contreras. Mm-hmm. And Chris, Contreras got off to a you know solid start where he was slugging a lot, but I think he, it's something like like thirty strikeouts and seventy at bats. So, something stupid for Wilson Contreras. Uh, the high amount of uh, strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, Striking out every other at bat. Yeah, terrible. It's awful. I mean, I love the great for the slugging. All right, great. You're hitting the piss out of the ball when you hit it, but stop. <laughs> stop the Javi's, Javi's striking out every three or every third at bat. Yeah, Javi's, I mean, Schwarber's striking. Stri- Schwarber's Schwarber almost too. striking out every other at bat, too. All these, like, it's basically been Rizzo Hap. I mean, Rizzo isn't like hitting for a high average either, but at least, you know, he's still taking his walks, getting timely hits. 
but it's been half. You know, Hayward Hayward gets scratched on Saturday or on Sunday with a tight back, so and, and he's not starting game one on Monday, but hopefully he's back uh, for mm-hmm. game two. It's ba- so it's basically been like those three guys, Kipnis, when he's been starting and he's starting a little more now. Um, but man, the, your stars, mm-hmm. the stars are not coming through right now, and this is when you need them because you know you're not going to have the bottom of the lineup producing half your offense for this entire stretch. And they're playing so poorly right now and so inconsistent that it's almost like when they do punch out in the top of the first or bottom of the first, it's almost like the second inning becomes your best start to an inning, like, <laughs> at least right now, which is weird. Because if you were to cut that lineup down the middle, um, you've got you know everybody basically from the five spot down behind Contreras killing it. And then everybody up top, you know, Rizzo, I mean, Rizzo, I wouldn't say Rizzo's even killing it. He's just been timely. Yeah. He's only hitting 246, but he's getting on base 4, 4 410. Yeah, that's the, he's yeah, getting he's, on base. He's taking he's his slugging. walks, timely hits, but like, yeah, it's not like he's tearing it up. <laughs> there's, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, and again, I hear people on social media saying, hey, let's throw Nico Horn in the lead. The dude's hitting 205 with a 280. His, he, his, his on base percentage is worse than KB's. Mm-hmm. Javi's is 241. I mean, they're, they're not setting tables. Ian Happ's 437. That's fantastic, but he was terrible in the leadoff spot when he, when he was there in the past. So do you want to, like, again, shoot the kid's confidence by throwing him up there and maybe just to shake things up? But, I mean, there's there's really not many guys. I mean, the team's got an on-base percentage of 337 as a team. Not great. And, it's, uh, you know, the and we talked about from the opening series, you know, it's great. They're seeing a lot of pitches. They still are seeing a lot of pitches. I think they're either, like, top two, top three in the league, or maybe even number one still, um, you know, pitches per uh, at-bat. That's all great, but they're also getting into these long counts where – we're seeing a lot of strikeouts at the end, and mm-hmm. uh, I forget the stat was. It was like they're not, they're just not, you know. Zoe, uh, with the White Sox, he was talking about how like they're just like they're letting these just fastballs down the middle, down just like looking at them for strikes. The Cubs are apparently like the worst team of swinging at balls in the zone. <laughs> I get, I get, uh, I think it was uh, Bleacher Nation. They tweeted out the stat. It was something like Cubs are like dead last in swinging at strikes in the zone. It's, it's like. Great. I love that you're patient. Love that you're grinding out these at-bats, but when you, they're just not hit. They're not making enough contact. And what did we hear all of, like, the offseason? Cubs, need, they need to add a bat to, like, you know, get more contact-oriented. And mm-hmm. that's just not happening. Even with, like, Horner in the lineup, with Kipnis in the lineup, some of these guys, even with Hap, like, making adjustments and, you know, balling out so far, we're, we're seeing, like, half the other guys just going completely the other way. And it concerns me too with like a guy like Kim who's a question mark and a guy that seems like he throws kind of quirky stuff. That today, because of the four, what do they have? Forty-three strikeouts in the in the series, mm-hmm. sixteen strikeouts on Sunday. That they're going to try and make an adjustment and change and maybe get aggressive early, which play, plays right into the hands of a guy that misses barrels and is kind of weird and quirky. Because you know, all of a sudden you're chasing pitches that aren't drivable and you're just weakly grounding out or you're rolling over and you're flip. You know, top hands just rolling. And, and, and you're, you're off balance, you're on your front foot, and you're doing things that you normally wouldn't do. So I, I'm curious to see how the Cubs come out with their approach today. I'm curious to see, again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've never seen KB struggle. I, I mean, I think I could, other than his father, I think I've watched him play more and see him hit more than anybody <laughs> in this world um, over the course of now what's been 15 years. So, and I have never seen the kid struggle in this manner. He's chasing out of the zone. He's doing things that he doesn't normally do. The kid knows the strike zone better than the umpire. We saw that actually with strike one twice yesterday when idiot Jordan Baker or whatever. Oh, my God. So horrible. That and guy. media puts you in a – you're chasing in your count because instead of being up 1-0 in a count and getting a fastball count, you're down 
one on a fastball that wasn't even in the zone. And the first strike call was that first pitch to get, first pitch is a bat of the ball game. That ball was eight to ten inches above the zone. That was almost at his eyes. Um, and so his 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 struggles are crazy. Javi his is Javi, but Javi's just rolling over a lot. He's not sitting back and trying to drive the ball the other way. His is different too. He's actually. It's, it's weird to think this because I feel like he's swung in a ton of pitches out of the zone. Maybe it's just because they've been such horrible pitches, like balls that are above the bill of his cap, that I notice those more. He's actually swung um, – he hasn't swung as many balls this year on average out of the zone than he has in the years past. So it's actually just – he's just not making solid contact right now. He's just – he's not staying back and driving that ball and letting that ball get a little deeper and driving it, you know, gap, middle gap away. And so he's, he's just rolling over – how many times he rolled over to the left side this year – even on an RBI ground out, that could have been a punch out of the plate. He rolled over instead of just sits back and just gets back. Just just got to get back a little bit and just let it get deeper and try and strafe the ball a little bit just to snap out. And then, again, you have to establish that you can do that. And then, so, I mean, those two guys, so go those guys today, so goes the whole team. I, I, if those guys can break out today, and I think that there's a little, maybe the Brewers are the Brewers, it's blah, blah, blah. But when the Cardinals come in, there's a, there's a little extra tingle in your nuts when those guys show up. And, and hopefully that that's kind of stuff that when they rolled out of bed today, I don't know if you remember that Andy Samberg uh, Saturday Night Live sketch where he's singing where it's like he's actually on cocaine, I think. But he's like, all, hey, it's a wonderful day. And he like gets that, that's Cardinal Day. It's Cardinal Double Day. So let's see how these guys roll out of bed today. But this is going to be like a college doubleheader. It's kind of weird. Back in college, you played, you double up, you know, you go seven, seven, you know, and sometimes you would play six in a weekend. But this is this is going to be a throwback for a lot of these guys. Cardinals are, have already done it now and they're going to keep doing it. But this should be an adventure, if anything else. And now a word from our sponsors. And, uh, you know, speaking to that bias, you know, just missing pitches, like, if this is team-wide. So here's the stat that I was uh, referencing earlier from uh, Bleacher Nation. At 11.6%, the Cubs have, the Cubs bats have the ninth highest whiff rate in baseball. And at 61.6%, they have the lowest zone swing rate in baseball. So... And it, that's coupled by they're also just not seeing as many strikes as other teams. So the strikes that they are that they are seeing, they're not. They're just not swinging at them. So and when they do swing, they're missing. So just I I have no like who I have no clue what's happening right with the offense. This is like the same story that we've seen since 2018. This is like mm-hmm. now the like, second, third, third different um, hitting coach. I, I don't know if it's just the philosophy of the players, if it's just a slump. I mean, again, it's only been, like, what, 19 games for the Cubs, but not not great. But it's, just, it's, it's been so inconsistent. It's just, you know, the Chris Bryant thing. So he gets hurt, the wrist, he misses two games, I think, right? One game, two mm-hmm. games? Two games. Comes back, doesn't look that great. I mean, you got, like, one single uh, against the Brewers in the two games that he played. Is that an issue? Have you heard anything? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, his fingers bothered him. It's I, here's me, and I told you guys this in the message board. I mean, when you that, what he did to his hand, um, I know the the ring finger is what everyone said, but I mean, there's I'm concerned about the tendons. I'm 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 concerned that kid wouldn't say shit with a mouthful of manure if he was hurt. <laughs> he would have to be benched. Like it would have to come from above. He's gonna play through things, but. I know his toughness, and I know that he doesn't want to let his team down. I know that that thing is bothering him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the season, like something came out, like, hey, yeah, best by the way. KB actually played through like maybe a tendon or two, like a tear in that finger, and he just played through it because it's the middle finger. You can kind of survive. It's glove hand side. It's not your top hand, but it does 
slow you down just a tad, just just enough to make you off a little bit. But he was struggling before that. But this, you know, he even got a hit after hurt. But that's probably because the swelling, you know, his adrenaline's going. The swelling hadn't actually shown up yet. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm concerned with the finger. I'm concerned with his psyche too. I'm concerned with Cubs, the Cubs fan base pulling their at regular bullshit. Again, maybe I'm maybe I'm touchy about it, but I feel like KB's wearing all of this struggle, and not shit has been said about Javi's struggles. Javi strikes out however many times in a, in, in a three games, three straight games, and no, nothing said. No one's freaked out. But then as soon as Chris struggles, it's trade that much. He sucks. He's just, he's pussy. He's just soft. Like it, it, that stuff angers me pretty greatly, just because I know the kid ain't. He's he's ten times the man that any of those meatballs would are in life. And uh, for them, when they, you know people say that stuff, it bothers them. And, and I, I think about how that affects because he's very close with his dad, and I, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, you know, Mike reads that stuff. He sees he's not he's a, he's a grown man too, and he sees that stuff about his child. I'm sure that has to filter in a little bit too. And then it gets into conversations, and it just turns into what it is. So I mean, it's it's a matter of he just needs to get right. Everything solves itself when he gets right. And same with Javi, everything solves itself. But KB seems to always seem to wear it by the Cub fan base that doesn't appreciate what he does far more. Even though the fact that Javi's struggles are actually worse when you look at it, because Javi hasn't gotten on base nearly as much as Chris. Chris's on base percentage is like 55 points higher or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And so it's one thing to struggle and both play good defense. Both have been playing great defense, but it's just, you know, it's, it's 19 games in 163, you know, 162 game season, 63 if you're playing an extra playing game. Um, that's no big deal right now, but people are so condensed panic that they think that it's over. Hey, you know when I want Chris Bryant peaking in game 50, that's when I want Chris Bryant playing his best baseball. That's when I want Javi playing their best baseball. There's no question these guys are going to make the postseason. I doubt that, you know, there's, it would be a mathematical anomaly for them to collapse that bad. And if they collapse that bad, it's more than just those two guys. So um, I think that peaking at the right time, I mean, most guys do peak around 40, 50 games. It's just that they're just not, it's not happening yet. And, and they're still winning. So, I mean, I, I think about this Cubs team when those guys start producing and how much of a difference it's going to make. It's going to happen. It's just, you got to breathe. You got to weather the storm. You got to swing out of it. And I just, I feel like that's the biggest part I think that they're dealing with is, is, is it maybe there's a sense of panic inside them that they're like, Oh my God, I got to get this right. I'm going to run out of time. No, just, just play ball, man. That's uh, the game is the game. It, it's terrifying. And now before we get to something positive to end this little uh, preview for the series, another injury for the Cubs. Oh, uh, this seems like five straight games now. Uh, so Steven Souza Jr. scratched for the lineup, hamstring tightness. Hap is oh. now going to be in the lineup. Uh, not great. I mean, obviously, not, uh, so far, none of these have been, except for Chetwood, who I guess we can talk about that too. Chetwood was placed on the 10-day injury list with a tight back. But this is, I think this is now like five straight games where there's been, there's been like a scratch like an hour before the, uh, before the game starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, not great, but uh, you know, half gets back in, and that's uh, give me half. Give me half in now. So now it's yep. Bryant Rizzo buys Contreras, Hap, Bodie Fegley, or Elmora Horner. Horner, yep. Don't. And then I think they're putting Horner in that second leadoff because of Chris's struggles too. Both those two guys are really. I like those two guys back to back. And you push Hap up, let him be a slugger a little bit. And here's what I'm thinking too. I'm thinking that just like kind of what a lot of guys would do in college. I'm thinking that uh. Schwarber probably as soon as the bullpen jumps to a righty, I think that Schwarber comes into the ball game. Mm-hmm. I think that because it's such a short get that it he doesn't need a rest if you're going to DH. He can go out there and just swing, and so he could put him in for Fegley. Um, as soon as it goes from the lefty to, to a righty, 
Isn't um, that weird though? Like you can't, don't you like lose? A, what's that rule with the DH? Yeah. If you no, you can, you could, you could, you, you could actually straight, uh, you could pinch still, it for DH. You could actually. I've done a quadruple switch before, where I. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> so I pinch hit for my DH. Okay, or um, I pinch hit for my DH, who was a catcher, by the way. So I pinch hit for the DH with another guy who was fast. Got he got a hit. So then I re-entered the catcher or the DH who was a catcher. Then I pulled the next guy and did a double switch position wise. So the guy that was on first is now our catcher. Now I'm not sure if I think he actually was supposed to have played a defensive inning before I could actually claim it, but I didn't. The DM didn't say anything, so I said, "I'd like to courtesy run now, please, for my catcher." And I threw my speedy courtesy runner out there. So it was a quadruple switch at that point, quadruple sub. Um, there's a lot of funny stuff that you can do with DHs, but in baseball and major league in AL rules, you can only DH for the pitcher. So you can't DH for a position player. Mm-hmm. So in that case, you know, you could sub out, you can go Schwarber for Fegley, and you can can the DH and put Schwarber in defensively, but then now you're playing, you know, whoever's on the bump. Um, right. Is, is basically goes into that spot. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's, you know, str- obviously offensive struggles, you know, chat with to the injured list. Not the best timing with the five games in three days. Uh, Quintana, I guess Quintana threw like 60 pitches on Monday, so before mm-hmm. the game, uh, for the uh, doubleheader Monday. I guess he's going to pitch one more, one more simulated game, and then I guess he's going to be back. I don't know who he's going to replace, but I mean, God, well, so it's going to be like Underwood or you know one of those guys or J- Jason Adam, who they just brought up. Um, it would have been really nice to have him for this five-game stretch. <laughs> it would be, yeah. I don't. So, so I, late. I know they're trying to like build up his pitch count. I, I mean, we've been saying it for a couple of weeks. I don't know why they just try to do that. Have him just throw out of the bullpen and just hey, get your, you know, stretch out that way. Uh, but let's get to Craig Kimbrell. So mm-hmm. he looked absolutely terrible. His like first uh, what three, four appearances. Uh, we didn't see him for a bit, obviously, because of the canceled series or the postponed series in St. Louis. But he makes two appearances against the Brewers, uh, two scoreless appearances, first two of the year. Thank God. Uh, he had, let's see here, he had four strikeouts, one walk, and actually got some whiffs on his curveball. Uh, guys actually like looked like they didn't know what pitch was coming, so that was great to see. What, what did you see from Kimbrough? Uh, you know, and actually, I'm going to give some credit to Full Count Tommy um, from Twitter. He actually did a great job of breaking this down, but he was 100% correct. When you look at Kimbrel throwing earlier in the season, um, his his core um, was different, his lower body. And so he um, his his delivery, his release point is the same. Um, but what, what you see is when you, when you kind of freeze it up just when he's landing with his front foot, um, as opposed to like in one in, in one picture, you can see full ass cheeks. You could see you could see Clearer's Day number forty six um, on the back of his jersey, and then when you look at the next one, the one from Sunday or what was it Sunday? Mm-hmm. You now when he's landing, not only is he he's tucked a little bit, he's closed a little bit longer, and so he's keeping the baseball back just a tiny fractional second longer as well. It does it does help as far as deception is concerned. He's not showing as early and he has that quick ride he's been having a nice rise and ride on that that fastball it's very effective as far as hiding the baseball it, it becomes a significant piece to miss barrels more and you know he might uncork a few but I, I think that they've made an adjustment with his lower half um it might be also where he's stepping uh, i can't you know the camera angles are very different so i'm not entirely sure if he's 
if he's altered his front foot landing spot, his landing zone might have changed a tad. And that's what I'm actually, you know, what? it looks like he's, it is, it looks like he's, his ankle is far more, yeah, his flexed. So yeah, it looks like he's, he might have adjusted six inches to the, to the right, like a little Arietta even, uh, or excuse me, to the left, because he was throwing a little bit more like Arietta, where he, you know, Arietta would basically step towards the dugout. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like he's altered that lower, that, that core, and then the lower half. I think, I don't think he's done anything with his arms, but because when you make an adjustment to the lower half and the core, it's hard not to keep that arm back just a slight, slight tick longer. And it changes, you know, the release point doesn't change much, but I mean, I'm looking at a chart here saying that his release point on Sunday, was a little bit less than five and five and a quarter as compared to his previous outings where they were actually below five. So he hadn't had actually had a release point above five all season until Sunday. So maybe that's it. So next question at what point, so how many more outings or was this enough for you to feel comfortable? Cubs have a lead in the ninth inning and you see Kimbrell come out there. Are you confident now? Do you want to see it? One more time, two more times, how much more? I think in this series, you don't have a luxury of saying when you can or can't. The arms are going to be at a premium. So I think that we're going to, we could see him in a situation that's low, low, uh, low intensity. We could see him in a situation that could be the game deciding, you know, extra innings. Oh, God, international tiebreaker rule in extra innings in a, in a doubleheader would be horrific. But um, he's, he's just, it, it, on a normal time, you probably want to see it at least once or twice more. But because the five games in three days, Go for it, man. You gotta let it, you gotta turn him loose. Ride the confidence wave. It was it was a really good. I thought that was the best he's looked in a long time. Just seeing him on Sunday. So perhaps the confidence is there. His beard is growing out. Maybe it's the facial hair. <laughs> yeah, start, lost starting, his He doesn't look like a baby anymore. I I had no idea he was like such a baby yeah, like face have, until I saw him. I'm like, whoa. Do so you, I think just let him rip. Do you? Uh, it seems like obviously the plan was heading the season. You know, Ken was your your closer, ninth inning guy. But, you know, things changed quickly after like his, basically his second appearance. It was like, no, this guy just doesn't have it anymore. Uh, David Ross has gone with uh, both Jeremy Jeffress and Rowan Wick. And it's not really a set guy. It's just like it just seems whoever think whoever he thinks is the better matchup is going to go in there. Do you think mm-hmm. that continues or do you think we get to a point where, I, I mean, again, fingers crossed. Let's hope that you know we got the glimmer of hope here uh, with Kimbrell that, I hope, like, please. Get, it changes get, get everything. Back to a good Kimbrel changes everything. Do you, do you think he just keeps going closer by committee, or do you think he, they revert back to, all right, Craig, this is yours? I don't think he should be. I think I don't think Ross. Again, quirky season, quirky approach. I don't think Ross, and that's what he's kind of been this way with with Wick and Jeffers. He hasn't been a slave to like a slave to that the typical train of thought of gotta have a closer, gotta have that. He's just going, hey, it's a tight bunch. This is a tight spot. We need to get. This is a pivotal moment in the game. Let's get our best in there right now. Who's my best guy right now? Today it's Jeffers. Yesterday it was Wake. Like, and so if it's a close game in the ninth and you have both of them available, it's a good luxury. If it, there's a guy, you know, if, if somebody, if, if typical other guys in the bullpen fashion, work themselves into a jam in the seventh, maybe you got to use Wick or Jeffers in that moment. So you, you know, having that third guy, you can protect the seven through nine innings. You can protect against that type of explosion. So, you know. I don't think that he's going to be a slave to it. I think he's just going to play, hey, this is the moment. Who's who's better fit? Who's better suited for this specific moment? And I think Jeffers has proven to be a guy that can come in with, other than obviously the tiebreaker thing, but that was his second inning of work. He's been a guy that's been really good coming in in moments where, and I mean, Wick has too, but coming in with inherited base runners, mm-hmm. doing a good job of wiggling out. Because those both of those guys miss barrels. That's the only way to wiggle out of those types of innings is if you're going to not give up contact. 
and they've they've done a really good job. Those two guys have been rocks. So to add Kimbrel to that would be a that would give. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that they'll go to like, hey, you're now the closer, Kimbrel. It's going to be let's win ball games. At this point, you want to just play. It's sixty games. It is. It changes everything because you don't need to worry about overworking too much because it's not. There's a hundred less games. You know, speaking of a third guy and how you really want that, I mean, you know, obviously every bullpen, every manager is going to look great when they have, you know, at least three guys that can get guys out. But slowly but surely and quietly, Ryan Tapera, I think he has like five straight scoreless outings. And we saw mm-hmm. that slider in the couple of exhibition games uh, during summer camp. Slider just fooling everyone up there. Uh, I think he has like, a, I think he's what, 11 strikeouts to like two walks or something. So he's... He's, I think right now he's like your third best option behind Jefferson uh, Wick. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, again, we get Kimbrell to where we have just, you know, full confidence in him. But Ryan Tapera so far. Here comes hey. the jinx. He has uh, not allowed a single run in the month of August. Uh, in five appearances. Uh, I did it. I said it. I stole yeah. your mother's credit. Sorry. I mean, I, at least, I'll, let's again, let's uh, cross your fingers. Because uh, last time I kind of threw out a jinx, uh, the series was just uh, postponed. <laughs> well, it is the car. It is the COVID. It was the Cardinals. So. That's right. I, the last time I was like, "Oh man, I feel a Kimbrel like blown save coming against the Cardinals," and you know, next thing we know, like twelve hours later, the entire series is uh, shut down. So, Kevin, <laughs> any uh, final thoughts? Five games, three days. Cardinals, Cubs. You know, thirteen six. This great. This, you can endure a three game losing streak when you get off to like the best start in a hundred years mm-hmm. or one hundred twelve years, whatever it was. They earn the right to struggle. I think that they're gonna. I think a success is taking three at least, because it's so quirky. I'd be disappointed if it's two or less, but it has to be at least two. <laughs> it has. Mm-hmm. It comes out of win at least two of those five. I mean, it's it sucks. It's a terrible situation, but it is what it is. That you, you, you can't spend too much time bitching about it. And there's no excuses. Both teams got to play through it. Are they rested? The Cardinals, yeah, but are they're banged up too? They're missing their guys. Take advantage of it. You know, in a, in a perfect world, if the Cubs were somehow able to sweep this series. I don't even want to know how amazingly fun Cubs Twitter would be. I'm thinking 3-2. I'm thinking the Cubs take three. I'm thinking they take game one today. I think they take tomorrow. And I think they take one of the games in the doubleheader um, on uh, uh, Wednesday. And anything, you know, if they win both, if they, if they take these first two games of the doubleheader, it really, 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 really boosts what the Cubs have struggled with. With that, It really does stop the, stop the train that was going the opposite direction mm-hmm. with Milwaukee. We gotta get that yeah, mojo yeah. back because you know it was all. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? You Darvish almost had like a no hit, a no hitter through six and a third on Thursday. Everybody was trolling the fuck out of Christian Yelich and the Brewers, and the Cubs lose three in a row. So we gotta get that momentum back, you know. And starts off with again Kyle Hendricks. Go out there, shove. Give me that complete game. Uh, and by the way, big it's, fucking week because after the Cardinals, three games against the Sox. Oh baby, yep. we gotta we gotta, do some, we gotta do some bets with Zoe on Thursday. Uh, this is true. He won't let me name his kid, but with, with <laughs> it's kind of ironic. I always I want to see the Cubs start the party again, and the guy that's going to have to start the party is the guy that probably wouldn't get invited to the party because he's a nerd. <laughs> and Kyle Hendricks. So the Cubs need to start a kegger today. I want to see some keg stands in the dugout. I want to see partying up. I want to see them. I want to see them mapping it or whapping it or whatever the hell that song is. I want I want whap blasting in the dugout. <laughs> I want, I want, I want a party. I want David Ross needs to, to. It's no magicians today, but make the, make start the party, make this a five game party. Go blast it out, man! If that they can do that, that this is what this team thrives on. It's not a team that thrives on negativity. It's not a th- team that thrives on on getting into fights with the other team. Some teams do. This one's not that. This team is a team that needs to go out and have a good time. And when they're having a good time, they're playing loose. 
they're playing well. Kyle Hendricks, the professor, needs to go out there and, and, and crack that, tack that keg, crack, crack him in, in, in terms of uh, Sox fans, and uh, go out there and just statement, make a statement out. It's time to statement again. It's time to say, okay, that was, that was last week. It's a new week. Let's go. Speaking of WAP, uh, Anthony Rizzo is going to have a new uh, walk-up song starting Monday, and that is my guess. I, I mean, obviously, I'm joking. There's no way that's going to – but that would be hilarious if it was. Uh, so, yeah, so for Kevin, this is Aldo. Follow us on Twitter at Pinwheels and Every Pod. Follow Kevin at KFids. Follow myself, Aldo Soto 21 Zoe, who's not here, but, you know, we'll hear him on Thursday again for – I mean, we're going to preview uh, Cup Sox. That's going to be fun. And the Sox should cool. be coming off – a uh, pretty fun series against the Tigers where they're going to see a couple of rookies making they, their debut against them. So that's going to be fun too. Uh, we need bet suggestions too. Uh, yes, bets, bet, any bets, crazy. Uh, apparently names are off the table as of now. That's, that's I don't know. Maybe let's get Zoe all riled up. But you can follow uh, Zoe at Southside Zoe. Uh, follow us on Facebook too, Pennywheels Heavy Podcast. All right, well, see you guys Thursday. Take it easy, guys. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee. So the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for. Yeah. Can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Season, make it all change. Season, make it all change. Take me out to the ball game.